Welcome everybody back to Geezers and the Kid, the podcast about stuff. Because that's we still don't know what we're doing, still don't know what we're talking about. Here with Blake, how you doing, bud? I'm great. I'm and out at the a, lake. You're at a different location. Your your internet service is the shits, and your face uh, it's looks not, the same. So. I got Wi-Fi. Is it bad on your end? Yeah. I don't think so. Well, every once in a while, it's fine. I will. You'll be I came to hide out here. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> my my yeah. migraines have been super bad, so Eric and I were like, you know what? Let's just go. Uh, let's go change the scenery here for for a little bit. And uh, I told Erica the other day, my my physical health is the worst it's been in a long time, but my mental health is the best it's been in a long time being out here. So, yeah, that's there where we go. are. And there's the man himself. A.M. Sizzle. What's going on, buddy? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. 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 I'm good. I'm the good. most majestic have another... in the background here, though. Let's stop. It is. I don't know what's going on. I'm getting. Yeah. It's... Did you paint that? At... Did you paint no, that? I... Paint with a bunch of other uh, Karens and stuff and uh, no, drinking uh, some wine? My, my friend, uh, Jen Oakley, she uh, painted it on my sister's nice. 50th birthdays on Friday. So I'm going to send that out to her. So it's that's temporarily cool. on my wall. So that's local. Yeah, that's yeah. a local artist wicked cool mm-hmm. that's awesome yeah. that's good. and uh eventually whenever this gets on video podcast people might actually see what we're talking about this is fantastic. <laughs> mm-hmm. we're working on it so we gotta be, uh, yeah we'll get there eventually uh we're we're one weekend boys to uh to the release of the of the podcast to mm-hmm. to the masses uh we've had some fairly decent uh numbers so far things are slowly coming in which is awesome so i thank Mm -hmm. you to everybody that's been listening uh i'm sure the sentiments are all the same around the board here uh we got ourselves another less than a week so thank you everybody who's checking it out yes our guest here today has probably been half of those yeah, yeah. Well, he's he's apparently uh, listed all of them. I I almost said he's he's read them all, which is really fucking You're old. Because um, yeah. I'm old. Yeah, that's true. Hats on too tight. Uh, um, he's listened to all of them to uh, to gain some ammo to to shit on us. Hopefully, a little bit here and there if uh, if we get out of line, which is going to be great. Um, who do we got, Blake? Tyler, how you doing? Tyler. Not Tyler. too bad. How you doing? Tyler. The old build up. <laughs> Love it. Well, you know, we uh it's Tyler. We got Tyler. Tyler. We just that's about the extent of our, our research into uh, <laughs> yeah. anything that we do on this. Um as you no. can see, I've got lots of paper around me here. I clearly I... didn't come onto the Joe Rogan podcast here. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely not. Uh, well, like most like most of the guests so far, uh, I met you five minutes ago, which is great. That's uh, I've, I've got my track record going the same. I don't know what's going to happen when I actually find somebody to come on this show, um, but I think it might happen eventually. So. It's very true. <laughs> Everybody I know is like halfway to seniors' homes and stuff like that at this point. So you know. It's, so so Tyler, we you and I and Aaron we met doing a uh, we did an interview, and I guess it hasn't been released yet, but. Um, you know, Aaron and I sit on, we've mentioned this before, Aaron and I sit on the board of directors for uh, an organization. We we haven't talked about much in regards to like what what the organization is. It's TJ's gift. And um, what that is, is so uh, Karen Weeb was a teacher of mine in high school. And um, she, her son was murdered. Um, I won't 
go way into detail about it. Um, if anyone follows me on social media, I talk about it quite a bit. Um, but uh, it was drug related. And so our organization revolves around um, empowering, I guess would be the word to use. Um, and our target is traditionally kids. Um, you know, in the elementary, we go elementary to high school um, in that age range. And it's all around education. Uh, my favorite thing about the organization, I think, is that Karen doesn't stand on stage and, you know, don't do drugs, kids. It's very like, you know, it's going to, you're going to be faced with it, um, potentially. Um, you know, these can, these are some of the effects um, in, in various ways. Um, and we're here, like it, it's, you know, we've had kids that have, um, you know, reached out to us for help. We've had, um, you know, kids that have reached out to us that said, since I saw your presentation, that changed my life, um, et cetera. So long story short, we're taking a new sort of um, approach to the organization right now because of COVID. And one of the things we've started doing is um, interviews. And, you know, we've had various interviews. We haven't done very many yet, but we've got potentially uh, some healthcare professionals, stuff like that. And then we've also got people such as Tyler, who are, um, and you can correct my terminology, but uh, in recovery um, or recovered, I'm, you know, that's again, something maybe you can touch on, but um, yeah, Aaron and I sit on the board of directors for that organization. And we did an interview with Tyler and, you know, we just thought we got to hear more. I mean, I think you your personality fits in with us. We're a bunch of degenerates in the best way possible. And I want to hear you talk a little bit more about your story. So let's uh, put you on the spot here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess you got the terminology right there. I'm in recovery and okay. it's a constant process. So I'm, I'm always going to be in it. You know, I'm always going to stay ahead of that problem. Um, I got to make sure I don't, don't fall back into those ways. So it, it's constant. You're always in recovery. Um, it could be 20 years down the road. You're, you're still going to be in recovery. You're, you're not going to be fully recovered, right? It's uh, you take your, your foot off the gas and think you have it all figured out is the time you might fall right back in. So you got to be aware of it at all times. Um, yeah. The, the TJ's gift. Um, I got a little backstory with that is, you know, Floyd Weeb, um, he passed away a little while ago. He, he was my baseball coach. When oh, I was no a kid. way. Yeah. Um, and, I didn't know um, that connection. Yeah. That's amazing. I, baseball was the one sport I played and what I was real good at. And it's like the only sport that I excelled in. And it was at that time when I stopped playing organized sport that I really drifted off into a whole different world. So yeah, I kind of I felt like I owed that interview back because of Floyd being a, a positive male role model in my life, which I didn't have. I didn't have anything other than coaches to, to be a positive male role model. You know, I had a, an uncle around maybe every now and then, but he had a life of his own. Um, I grew up in a house full of women mm -hmm. and yeah, kind of just, uh, probably should have stayed in sport. You know, you know the, that's the sports that, really uh, did it for me. That's something that I believe very wholeheartedly. And I think it's something that attributed to my life as well. I, I didn't have time to get in trouble. I didn't have time. I played hockey six days a week. I played volleyball six days a week. Um, you know, it, that's, yeah, that, that's such an interesting, it, obviously it's not a, it, you know, it's not a foolproof plan by any means. I mean, um, 
haven't talked about it much, but my best friend um, has struggled heavily with addiction. Um, and he, um, I am about 90% sure he'd be in the NHL right now if, uh, if he hadn't given up drugs. Like he was better at hockey than guys that I know now that are in the NHL now. Wow. So, yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. That, that's just a, a topic, like a, a subject that I believe in very firmly. Um, and, uh, yeah, my cat may flash us occasionally as we go here. <laughs> so let's, we'll, we'll chug on. Um, but yeah, sorry, Tyler, I didn't mean to cut you off. We'll... Yeah, no, all good. Um, I, I, I'm a big proponent on, on sport. I think every kid should be in it actually, to tell you the truth, um, teaches you how to learn, learn how to win how to lose, how to play as a team, how to be coachable and take direction. I mean, there, there's nothing but positive outcomes with, with somebody in sports. So yeah. I actually had a few buddies too in my time. They, they were even on scholarships yeah. and went down to the States to play ball and kind of messed it up because of drinking and drugs. Which, um, which so is yeah, reintroduced that, that me too. in sport in a later, later in your life. I mean, I, I, you go to, you go to rookie parties and stuff. I can only, I can only speak to hockey, but um, you know, and it, it's a, a very toxic culture to a certain degree. And I think that there uh, is a movement right now and they're trying to shift some of that, but I mean, you're getting alcohol physically poured down your throat to a certain extent at a lot of these parties. And um, you know, like I said, particularly like the rookie parties and stuff like that. And, you know, we didn't do that to guys in high school, but uh, I know guys that went through that, um, you know, we, we gave a kid X lax in his water bottle and I never forget we were in Brandon and he can't, his dad, he came and sat beside me at a Brandon Wheat Kings game. Our whole team went and he looked at me and he goes, I shit 11 times while I was at dinner with my family. <laughs> so, I mean, not great, but it's also his dad thought it was hilarious. So, yeah, but, um, so yeah, like, you, you know, you, you grew up playing sports. That's really cool that you had that connection with Floyd. I didn't realize that Floyd was, uh, you know, my, my dad is one of my best friends. Him and I are very close, but um, Floyd had that, that sort of uh, presence to me as well. Uh, it was a very sad day when we lost Floyd. And, um, you know, I was at his funeral, Aaron, I think you were with me, right? We sat, Absolutely. we went together and, um, you know, he had, you know, he had obviously an impact. Floyd, I mean, Floyd had an impact on everyone. Um, but uh it's, it's very, very cool to know that you had that connection uh, later or mm. earlier on in your life with him. So, um, so w from the sports, where did we, where did we go from there? Um, yeah. I mean, it, after I stopped playing sports, uh, actually it was a, a certain sport. I, I got a, probably involved in my grade nine basketball team and the crowd of people that were on that team. Um, yeah. I just drifted into a different direction with those people. Um, you know, started just skipping practice and drinking and just doing, you know, just light drugs, right? Like you're, you're smoking weed, you're drinking, yeah. just kind of the party stuff. Um, but it gets, gets ahead of you, right? Like, uh, I ended up dropping out of school real early and just went into a life of just like partying and crime and just petty crime, right? Like I was stealing cars and doing B and E's and, and just like running the streets at all hours, like. I had no discipline at home at all. Like I kind of walked all over my mom. Um, I wasn't good to my parents when I was young. Not that they, they didn't try and discipline me, but probably just, they couldn't. Um, I think they probably should have been a little harder on me than they were. 
um my my mom she I think it took till about 17 years old one time she called the cops on me finally and was just like get this kid out of here there's there's stuff going on right um I pretty much spent all my my 17 in in locked up like right after I turned 17 I got locked up and got an 11 month sentence and I ended up getting out right after my 18th birthday um so was that juvie or were you yeah, I was in MYC at first, like the okay, youth center, yeah. and then I got sent to Agassiz, and then from Agassiz, I got <clears throat> sent to Milner Ridge, and they had a they had a program there. Was, I don't know, I, it, it was a great program, but it was more of like a brainwash. Um, when I got out, I kind of turned it all around. You know, I I got a job, um, still was hanging out with the same friends, but you know, I wasn't doing all that same stupid stuff. And I did good for about six to eight months, somewhere around there. And then I just started doing the same stupid stuff again. You know, same stupid stuff. Uh, I was right back into it. I ended up quitting the job. And I had a friend who had gotten out. And they asked me if I wanted to go to a different city to sell drugs. And I just jumped on it. And I was like, I'm literally doing nothing with my life. Why not? Let's just go somewhere else and do something. And that was a start of a whole new world. Um, I went out there, um, I went up to Calgary and I ended up making a ton of money. I was making lots of money it's a typical story. constantly. Yeah. Um, and it was just drinking. Like all I was doing was drinking the whole time I was out there. Um, some really bad stuff ended up happening out there and I kind of was like fearful of some stuff. So I moved back to Winnipeg and I was here, I don't know, maybe six months same thing, just drinking like a fish and ended up going out to Regina. And that's, that was my, the biggest downfall ever. Um, I made more money than I ever made. And I picked up the habit of cocaine. Um, I, I started, I was with a girl that whole time in Calgary. And when I moved back here and then when I was in Regina, she just left me. I came home one day and all her stuff was gone. I've never seen her since that day. And I just came back home that night and all of the friends I was living with were doing, doing drugs and screw it. I just said, screw it. And, and jumped in there and started doing it. And it led to <laughs> a good about five, six months of just nonstop partying. You know, it was, it was bare minimum five nights a week, sometimes days on end and just, just going hard. Um, there was no end of product. There was no shortage of money. So the problem got real, real bad. Um, then I ended up getting, getting locked up. We, we got caught for everything we were doing out there in a big sting. And I remember being in the cell and just, it, it was kind of a saving grace moment. Um, the, the problem was getting so out of hand that I, I felt like I was almost going to have a heart attack daily. Like I would just have to lie on the ground and hold my chest. I was just having the craziest chest pains. And I remember just sitting in that cell being like, Hey, this, this ain't that bad. I'm like, I needed this, like there's something that needed to happen. And if this was it, then okay. And when you're in that life, especially if you've never done pen time and got a federal sentence, it's almost like a mark on your status, you know, like you're in that life and Hey, now I'm in the big house and people are going to look at you like you're a little bit more solid and you got some, some name on you, you know, and yeah, it, it was a rough situation. And I ended up getting bail about six months after um, the case was in this weird 
there was this weird loophole. Um, they weren't going forward. They didn't have a lot of evidence together yet. So they ended up giving us bail after six months. And I instantly skipped, came back to Winnipeg and got caught doing the same thing here. Um, then that was, that was it. Uh, I, I sat in the remand for 10 months, um, ended up getting sentenced to 30 months. It was a five-year sentence, but because of the time I already had in, it ended up being 30 months and I went to Stony. And, you know, I was sober the whole time I was in there. Obviously there's, I mean, you can get stuff in there, but I just worked out, stayed to myself, you know, kind of just tried to get through my time. And when I got out of there, I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Like, I, I don't want, I don't want to live this life anymore. And I got a job about a week out. There was a guy that I was locked up with and he ended up telling me, Hey, why don't you go? It was at the MTS center actually, which I still work part-time there today. Like I, I still have that job to this day. Nice. It's been 12 years. Um, and, and I just started making a little bit of money and was like, Hey, you know, I don't really need all that other money. Um, but I continued to hang out with the same people. So I was still partying the exact same. And, you know, I might not have been having to spend a whole lot of money on the product, but the product was still being put in front of me all the time from everybody I hung out with. So it kind of got out of control again. Right. Um, it's, it's crazy. Like my, my problem, I never had to go like rob and steal and do these stupid things to get the product to keep doing it. Like I've never been in that situation. So I don't know that I've always surrounded myself with people that have dealt it and have had a lot of quantity of it. So I just always had it around. Um, maybe if I had to go do some of those stupid things for it, I might not have been in that much of a problem, you know, because I've always had this like moral standard on me that, you know, I don't want to hurt people. Like I wasn't like a guy who wanted, I was never a gang member I never wanted to hurt people. I never wanted to go rob and stuff like that. I just wanted to deal drugs, make a lot of money and party like that. That was, it was like that lifestyle I was in. Right. Reflecting and, on yeah. it now, what's the relationship with your parents? Like, um, it's real good now. Um, it was, it was in a bad spot for a long time. Um, yeah. When my, that's everybody knows all this. So I can just talk openly when I got out, when I was seven, like I went in when I was 17, and my mom was with a guy for six years. And when I got out, she was with a woman and it hit me hard. Right. And I was getting made fun of by my friends and I had like a real insecurity of it, like how people judged me or thought of me or something. And I said a couple like real, real hurtful things to my mom that I regret to this day. It's one of my, my biggest regrets is what I said to my mom one night when she came home and I was drunk and just said some horrific things. And I finally got to a point in my life where I was like, I don't care who my mom's with. Yeah. Like, I don't care what she lives her life. And like, I walked her down the aisle when she was getting married. Like I, I have no problem with who she was with. It was all my insecurity. It was how I thought people perceived me. And now I'm to the point where I don't care what people think of me. So I, I, I love my mom for all, all she is, you know? And, you know, I put her, I put her through a lot, you know? So we have a good, a good relationship now. It wasn't for a long time, but we've, we've mended a lot of things. And I think it took me really getting sober to see what, what I would, the damage that I was ultimately doing to my family. Um, I didn't clearly see it until I was sober. You know, I always downplayed it and thought it wasn't that bad, but 
my eyes were opened once I got sober for sure that it, I was most of the problem. That's um, that's a big thing to deal with in your life. Um, you know, not in a bad way, in a, in a, just in a different way, you know, you, you go to, you go to, to juvie and you come out and, you know, your mom is, is, you know, with a woman and not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just, it's a lot, it's a different, it's different. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. it's, it's just different. And, you know, I commend you for, you know, obviously it took you a while to get there. Um, but that's just, you know, that's you working out things within yourself. And, um, I've always, you know, I've always believed that the people that have issues with, um, you know, same sex marriages or, or, you know, um, trans community or anything like that, I believe that, um, it's insecurities within themselves that, that are the problem. And, and the fact that you brought that up is, um, is very interesting to me because why do I give a shit, you know, who you marry? Um, you know, I, I have a, a family member um, who who transitioned, and it has changed his life. And I, he is just the greatest guy I've ever met. Like, you know, like it, it's it. Live you, live your truth, be happy. And if 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 you being happy has that much of an impact on somebody else, fuck off. You know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know that that is like I said though I get it. Like that's a big thing um, to have to deal with. So, um, you said your mom's married. Is she married to the, to the woman she was dating? Has she, you know, is she in a different relationship or am I missing something here? Yeah, no, she's in a different relationship now. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. She, she's married to a woman now. Um, awesome. Love her to death. Yeah. She treats me like I'm her own, you know, that's where um, I was going with that. I'm, I'm so, so happy that they're together, you know? Yeah. I don't care who my mom's with, man. Is she happy? Is she in love? Yeah. Is she living her life the best she can? I don't care, man. Yeah. Like some, some people make such a big deal about that. And it's like, really, how's it affecting you? What's yeah. it doing to you, man? Like it has nothing to do with you. No, nope. it's just being upset with someone for being happy. Like it's the most backwards thing of it. You get out, you get, you're happy for someone, a, a male, female relationship or a marriage. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. I'm coming to your wedding. Here's a card. You get that bent out of shape. Like it's just, it, it blows my mind. And I have, mm-hmm you know, family members, very close family friends in that community, that community. And this topic is very near and dear to my heart because I've seen the positive and negatives of negative effects of it. So that's, that's really cool that you were able to sort of um, change your mind on that. So um, yeah, that's cool. I, I the, we kind of got off topic here, but um, you know, you talked that's about pretty normal. It, it, that's it's it's what we do and that's and like i said that's why i like i wanted to have you on again so that we could get off topic we didn't have to stay so focused on a subject mm-hmm. um you know so moving so now you and your mom and uh her her partner you guys are all very close so what did it take you to rebuild that relationship was it um was there an, a big apology was it built over time like how did, how did that look yeah i guess it was just built over time um I've definitely apologized for a lot of things. And, you know, I think my mom might've blamed herself for a lot of stuff that happened with me. And, you know, I've let her know, like, it didn't matter what you guys did. Yeah. Um, I was going to make the choices I made. You're going to do it. You know, I, I was going to do it all the time. Like I, I say, I didn't get a lot of discipline, but it's like any discipline that was showed, I didn't listen to any of it anyway. You know, I didn't listen to the discipline of, of authority. You know, like I'd get arrested, get out on probation and not abide by any of those rules. I'd have a curfew. Who cares? 
you know, like I, I went against everything. So who was to say I was going to listen to my mom, right? Um, I had a, an authority problem. It didn't matter who it was, whether it was my mom, the cops, a judge, whatever. I just, I had that authority problem, right? Um, so yeah, and I just, me apologizing for sure. You know, I, I've apologized profusely. Um, I realized that I've brought a lot of stuff to them. Um, I lived with my aunt my whole life too. Like my mom, me and my mom lived with my aunt in the same house and she worked hard and was, did everything for me. And, you know, I just kind of shit all over it. I, I treat, treated my family like absolute crap. It was brutal. You know, I can't believe the kind of things that I did in my, in my addiction to them. You know, I, I've had her door kicked in, you know, she cops coming there kicking down her door and she used to always tell me all the time like I don't care what you do but don't bring it to my house because I can lose my nursing license right and I still just did whatever didn't care like put her at risk you know put my family at risk and when you're you're doing the kind of stuff you're doing too that lifestyle of there's there's people after you and people that want to rob you and people want to see you go down and there's a lot, a lot of different risk factors right and you know I put my my family right in that harm's way and I've had to apologize a lot for it. You know, they're, they're very understanding now. Um, probably took them a lot to get there too. Right. But good for them. yourself. That was my next question. Um, just, just recently, yeah. just recently, recently? Okay. just recently. Um, it took me about two and a half years of being sober. I remember I was at work one day and I just walked in the bathroom. I was listening to a podcast. I was just in like such a good mood. And, you know, I've been reading so much. I'm taking a, an applied counseling course. And I remember I just looked in the mirror and looked at myself. And somebody had just on the phone told me they were proud of me. And it was like somebody I never would have thought would have said they were proud of me. And I remember just looking in the mirror and I was like, you know what? I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. And it, it took me like two and a half years of being sober to finally just be like, hey, you're doing a good job. Like I used to negative self-talk myself all the time. You know, any little failure, like, oh, man, you're a piece of shit. Look at you, man. You're such a, such a screw yeah. man. Can't do anything right. Like I'd always talk to myself like that. Right. Even if I was doing something positive, like working out, I would be talking to myself like you fat fuck. Like you, you, you're not going to go half an hour on this machine. Like, are you that lazy? Like that's how I would talk to myself. Right. And it, mm -hmm. it took me until just recently, probably within the last few months. Um, just like really trying to self positive talk, you know, eat a little better, work out a little bit just doing those things to like get yourself right. Um, I, I just recently started therapy too. Um, I actually go to my second session tomorrow. So I'm trying to do all those steps to get myself to that point. Um, yeah. when, when you live the life like I've lived and done the horrific things that I've done, it's hard to forgive yourself for that. It's hard. It's really hard. You know, some days are better than others, but there's other days where I'm just like, I think I dwell so in it. You know? deprecation is a, a very real thing and I think it's a lot of it mm -hmm. to do is expectations of us in terms of you know society and traditions and stuff like that and like you know I I think about you know myself for example like I grew up working out playing hockey going to volleyball I was in good shape I took care of myself I ate like an athlete and, you know, for a really long time, like, and then I stopped, I graduated and from high school and I had a few opportunities to play hockey and volleyball after high school, um, you know, 
didn't it just didn't play out I decided that I was done and uh you know I took up coaching which was great I still coach volleyball now um but I mean I don't I don't uh I don't look the way that I look looked 10 years ago um that bothered me for a long time and um you know I've gained uh, probably about 120 pounds since I stopped playing uh hockey and volleyball regularly and that bothered me I'm not a self-conscious person as a general rule. Um, you know, I, I believe in myself for the most part and stuff like that. But there was this expectation that what bothered me was how I looked. You know, I don't like that I've gained weight. Why do I? And, and it, it bothered me for the wrong reasons because who the flying fuck cares what you look like? I don't need to look at a picture and think, I want to look like that guy. You know, like that's, that's the stupidest shit I've ever heard to me. There are aspects of it, like I, my my entire body hurts head to toe. My shoulders pop. Like my wife and I literally joke about like Rice Krispies snap crackle pop when I get out of bed because my knees and my shoulders and I have a bladder condition. I have migraine. I have migraine. A migraine condition. I have health problems, but I don't want to feel. It, it's not necessarily because of weight or anything like that. It, it's we don't know what it is. Um, but the bottom line is the reason those things bothered the reason I was bothered by my weight is because of how it looked. It didn't, didn't bother me how I felt. It bothered me how I looked and I'm over that. And to, to go back to what you were saying, you know, when you start talking about, you know, your, 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 your opinion of yourself, it's so easy to get lost in that. And I've been fighting, um, some depression and stuff like that for the last six months I've like I've, I've alluded to I have a migraine condition and um, it takes a lot out of you to be in pain all day every day um, so I've started seeing a therapist as well and I know we talked about this a bit in our interview um, and where I'm going back to this is the 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 substance aspect of it drugs alcohol play a huge huge factor on your mental health um my wife and i have quit drinking because of many reasons but one of them being mental health um you know and 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 it got to a point where it was like we can't do this to ourselves anymore and and we were not drinking every day we were not like we had an issue with it in our own eyes it's you know i think that addiction comes in various levels um but we decided together that this was not good for us anymore um what were your struggles with mental health um, during that period of your life? Um, at first, you know, I don't think I thought there was any mental health problems at all. Like, you know, just, hey, you're drinking all the time until blackout. Uh, that's yeah. just what you do. That's yeah, what alcohol is for, right? Yeah, it's all you get together with your boys and you just get smashed and you kind you're of think that's fun, the way right? it is because it's yeah, socially exactly. acceptable and that's my biggest problem with yeah. alcohol itself we'll get into that mm-hmm. but and you're uh, having fun and who cares right you're right. just enjoying being with your boys and yeah that makes sense yeah and at first you know that's all it was you know i used to be able to just go have some drinks wake up the next day you feel fine it's all good you didn't spend a lot of money you didn't do nothing that stupid yep but it, then it quickly got out of control um you know when you're you're going days on end and you know, you're drinking till blackout and you can't remember what you're doing. And then you're seeing videos of what you did do or hearing stories of what you did. And it's like, holy man. Um, and then you feel like that shame and guilt. Um, 
I started getting some real bad anxiety. Like I was getting these panic attacks uh, at work. Um, I got hurt at work doing something. And then all of a sudden I was just getting these anxiety attacks. Every time I had to do that same task, I was, I, I over overhead crane loaded, big, huge steel pipes. And my, my leg got crushed in it one time. And every time I had to do it after, um, I just would I'd get these panic attacks and I, I couldn't even perform my job. And when, when you have those anxious feelings, I would always go to a substance to get rid of it. That's, you know, like I would literally just yep. be drinking to calm my nerves. Um, but it, I'm not the type of person that can just have a drink to calm my nerves. Like I'm having a drink and then I'm having another drink. And to the point of the, the end of my addiction, I couldn't have a drink without doing cocaine. Yeah. I couldn't. There was never a time ever where I would just go get drunk. Soon as I started drinking, I would be like, where can we get some stuff? And usually hanging out with people that already have this stuff. So they would already be offering it um, every single time. Like, this isn't a joke, you know, like I could not have a casual drink. I just couldn't. Um, and, and that was playing with my mental health. You know, you don't, you don't want to admit that you have the problem and you think you can get over it, but that shame yeah, they, and guilt that would come back at the, the last two days. Sorry, Aaron. I, I didn't realize. Oh, no, not at all. I was just going to say the enablers are going to support all that you're going yeah. through because they want you there. Yeah. Come drink with me. Come do drugs with me. I was the yeah. same way when I drank it, it. You're always trying to get buddies to come over, you know, come do this, come do that, whatever. It, it's both of you. Like it, it, it's, it's not, it, it's a, it's a community thing. And when you said like, you know, that's just what you do with your, your buddies. Like you get together and you have drinks. Absolutely. The problem is though, is that it is socially acceptable to get blackout wasted mm -hmm. and to do it again. And then you joke around about it. You watch on TV, like someone, Oh, I'm an alcoholic. Like they joke around about it. Like, Oh, maybe I drink yeah. too much. I don't know. Like it's so socially acceptable. You go to hockey games, you go to football games, you go to the mall, you go like anywhere you go, there's, there's alcohol ads, you know, it, it's, it's, it's taking advantage of a population. And, and, you know, when my wife and I stopped drinking, she in particular did a lot of um, research around it and, you know, podcasts and um, audio books and stuff like that. And it just, once she started talking to me about it, it was like, holy fuck, like, it's like, we're being tricked into thinking mm -hmm. that it's okay. It's so glamorous you know, to, to lay on the lake in a, in a, in an inner tube and, and, and drink a, uh, you know, a white claw or, you know, the, the frat boys, it's super, it's super awesome to, it's, it's like, and this isn't me judging people that drink like that it's at all. It's just, it's mind boggling to, you don't see commercials on television for cigarettes or marijuana, you know, but it, it's, they're not as socially acceptable. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah, I don't know. It's it's crazy to me, and it's so accessible too. Yeah, the thing with drinking too is, I, I mean, yeah, a lot of people, especially if they're drinkers, they'll take offense to some of the stuff that I say, and I have nothing against people drinking. Nope, at all. None. People can drink responsibly. I can't. I'm not that person. Yep. Like I cannot drink responsibly. I'm not just having a drink or a couple of drinks. Some people can grab a six pack, go with their buddies, watch six hours of football, and all they drink is a six pack. Mm -hmm. and they're fine. I can't, that's not me. But I also realize that you're one trauma away from turning that into a problem. So if you do just have a couple of drinks to calm your nerves, 
well, what happens when you lose your job? Yep. Your wife divorces you, yep. your child passes away or gets sick. Like you're, you're one thing away from now using that thing that you use to calm your nerves to cope as it's your coping mechanism. Yeah. It's your coping mechanism for this big problem. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize. And, you know, I've been trying to get that out there. That's probably the best I've ever heard that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you're one trauma away. And, and one of the biggest things that we realized that we talked about after we stopped was we didn't dr- like for the most part, like I wasn't going to work drunk or, 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 you know, anything like that. We just kind of realized it's like, we'll, we'll, we'll drink on a Friday or a Saturday and, and then we feel like shit all weekend. And then we go to work and then, you know, we work through the week and then we do it again on the weekend. And we just found ourselves in this cycle where it was like not enjoying our time off, especially together. Um, it was just like, we're, we're, we're in this cycle and it's not getting us anywhere. And then the pandemic started and it was a lot easier, you know, if I had a day off to, there's nothing else to do. Let, you know, let's go mm-hmm. sit on the deck and have drinks. Let's go to work in the yard and have drinks and whatever. It, it's like, do you want to celebrate? I had a great day. Let's, you know, let, I had a good day. I want to celebrate. I, I passed this exam or won this award. I had a shitty day. I'm sad because of this. It was like everything was turning into a reason to drink. And, you know, it just, it, it, it just, turned into this thing i had a friend i was on the phone with a few months this is a few weeks ago actually um we were talking about how like we're we haven't drank in seven months and i was telling him that and he's like yeah he's like i don't really drink either like he's like if i come to town and um you know uh, you know i i see you guys haven't seen you guys in a long time you know maybe i'll have a beer and my question to him was not in a confrontational way but it was like do you drink and he's like no i don't really like it so so why would you come to town and have a beer you know, if it's like, uh, you know, like, and I, like I said, I don't mean that in a confrontational way. It's like, well, what do you say? It's just like, why is that what we do to say hi to our friends and to mourn mm-hmm. the loss of a loved one and to celebrate, uh, you know, something like, why is that the thing that makes it exciting to see our friends? You know, we're going to have a beer together. You made, Again, I'm you not made judging. a comment. You made a comment earlier about being brainwashed, right? Yes. At a, at a, and it's, and I think that's, I, I know that when I, 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 I mean, I still drink now, but I did go for eight, nine months or whatever else. Um, and how I went through not drinking was, was the, the, the book that I read or audio book that I listened to, I guess. Um, that I thought was, was great. And a big piece of it was talking about how from an early age, we're brainwashed into this is normal. You know, you, we see our parents having a drink. I, I was at the, I was at the lake as a 12 year old and I had fun going up into the cabin, making my mom three fingers of crown royal and one finger of soda just so that when she took a sip of it she went yeah and her face went all ridiculous but that was just normal right so then slowly it was like oh well what does that taste like what does this taste like i remember having thinking like oh well i've had a sip of my grandfather's rum and coke when i was 13 years old rum's good let's see what this tastes like. And then, you know, you take a shot of it straight up and it's not so good. And, and, and it's just not a, not a good thing, but you get ingrained into this, that, that that's just the norm 
of, yep. of everything and, and then you're right you're going somewhere and oh should how many how many beers should i bring with me if i'm going to this place or whatever and it's just not a cool cool loop to get into um tyler you mentioned that that you kind of started out with with the with the drinking and, and just the marijuana aspect of things and then that obviously led further and further and further do you how do you feel about the whole legalization of of marijuana is that a, a positive or a negative because um, now it's so much more accessible right is it more accessible though well i mean really sorry answer it, the question it would just, make it it would make it easier <laughs> it does make it easier once you're of age right to, to be so, able to yeah. go and and, and 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 get it than having to go to you know get in the car drive down to who knows where and see this guy in the back alley somewhere or however it worked at somebody's apartment and and, and do whatever right so i'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are given your overall history you know um it, it's one i'm really mixed on um especially being like in the addiction stream right now of, of applied counseling and taking a lot of AFM stuff. Um, I, I'm really big on harm reduction, you know? So if somebody's like smoking meth or smoking crack or they got like some crazy problem and they're trying to get off it and they need something to like calm their nerves, it's I'd rather be them be doing, you know, smoking some weed than 100%. doing some of these harder drugs. And, you know, I'm very um, like, I'm aware of myself. I'm very self-aware. I know my emotions. I know my limits, but this has taken a lot of work and I haven't always been like emotionally intelligent with myself. Right. And so when someone's first getting off of a problem, they're not going to know how to handle certain stuff and they can't just like cold Turkey quit. So, you know, smoking a joint, it's not that bad. No, you know, but at the same time for someone who's never done drugs and now these kids think they can just come up and smoke weed because it's legal now all of a sudden they're getting themselves into a drug problem yeah. when they don't have to. It works both no, ways. They're just, they're just smoking the weed because, oh, well, hey, it's legal. Everybody's smoking weed yeah. now, so I'll smoke it. But it's like, hey, if you're already developing a habit of smoking weed at a young age, you're going to start crawling in, into deeper things to manage that as your problems get bigger with life. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, when I was 16, 17, I was smoking weed and it was getting me by. Well, now you're, you know, 20, 25 and you're in college and you might have a kid and you're in a relationship, maybe getting married and these problems are a little heavier. And now one of your friends pulls out a bag of Coke and it's like, Hey, why don't you try this? And then, you know, you take a couple lines on every Friday night and yeah, it's happy go lucky. This is the path that I took. Right. And the next thing, you know, you're full blown, just doing Coke all the time. Mm -hmm. It's like, it leads into just doing something to help you calm your nerves or have a good time and it can lead into a darker heavier place um some people can control it some people can't yeah you know and like I, I just i'm one of those people I, I i can't keep a lid on it yeah. and i know that right and that's why i just nothing now absolutely nothing no yeah i get that and and you don't and and i'm i'm kind of i don't want to say surprised i'm trying to think of a good term to use here but it's it's kind of interesting to hear because that that you don't care if somebody's having a beer beside you kind of scenario you know that it's whatever and you, the the common theme that i've heard from from other people is like they don't want to have that around you know they can't have it around i don't even want it near me and whatever else like uh, i was like that it, it's it, like breaking habits yeah for me like i mean elliot you came over 
on on a Sunday to watch football and I used to have got and I for me it wasn't like oh my god I'm gonna smell beer and I'm gonna want to pour it all over myself no it was like the habit for me was sitting down and watching football and having a beer having a Ryan Coke I was trying to break that habit so I was trying to keep it keep it out of my house and I wanted to start formulating relationships with people that did not have any alcohol involved so me not wanting to have alcohol at my house for um, you know whether it be uh, a a dinner or or guys over football it wasn't just the temptation of me wanting to drink it because that that I got over that it didn't need someone to tell me have alcohol in front of me to, to tell me that I did or I didn't want it like I knew it was also the fact that I felt that was important to start developing relationships with people that did not involve alcohol. And mm-hmm. I've done that and it's awesome. And I have friends, you know, now that our relationship is different. I don't think I've lost friends because of it. Um, I've just, and I mean, it, it, there's also COVID. So like relationships in general look differently now. Um, but yeah, like, like, like you said, Elliot, like, having it in front of me personally didn't bother me Tyler it sounds like you, you kind of had the same thing like it was just like I don't know there's a lot it, there's there's layers to it well it's you know everybody has their limits and everybody's right. different and at first I couldn't be around it yeah um there's a few times I went out and I remember one time it was about four months about four or five months sober and we were out of Kenora and all my friends were drinking the whole weekend and I didn't touch anything and it was the last night I was out there and I was like, oh man, I'm screw it. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to drink. Mm-hmm. And I had a bottle like in my hand and I'm like, man, I'm just going to like take a bunch of shots. And I had one of my buddies there was like, why? Like, what are you doing? He's like, for, I think he was being a little selfish with it at first. Cause he was like, if you were going to drink, why wouldn't you do this at the beginning of the weekend and just have a good time with us? But yeah. he's like, now it's the end of the weekend and now you're going to get in. Don't do it. And he, he made me not do it. And you know, it took me about six to eight months where I, I couldn't really be around it. I tried it a couple of times, but every time I was like, I want to drink, I want to drink. And then I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'll go out with these people. And if they're drinking, as soon as I see drugs pulled out, I'm gone. Cause that was an ultimate. It was like, once I see that stuff come yeah. out, I'm, I'm gone. I cannot be around that at all. Like I cannot have a slip with that. Um, now I'm to the point, like if I'm hanging out with people and they pull a beer out, I know I'm around responsible people yeah. because I'm not putting myself in the position of hanging out with people that have that problem. Yeah. Um, I'll go, I, I have a trailer with a few of my friends and they get heavy into the drinking sometimes, but I'll go over there. And if they're just having a beer or two, it's fine. No problem. As soon as I see them start taking shots and it starts getting crazy, I'm gone. Yeah. See you later. There's levels. So, you know, like if, I if said. Someone's just having, yeah. Someone's having a casual drink or something. I'm fine. But once I see that party mode. Yeah. You know, and, and I might have a feeling like I'm missing out or like, you know, yeah. I'm not involved in it. And then it's like, why do I even want to feel like that? Like, what, what am yeah. I missing? Yeah. You know, yeah. the people that I was drinking with and partying with, they're doing the exact same thing right now with the exact same people at the exact same place. I'm not missing anything. Yeah, I've been through it, but I had this like, you know, that FOMO feeling, right? You know, you feel like yeah. you're missing out. You really feel like you're. I got to be at every party. I got to be where everybody is. And it's like, why it's the same thing over and over. And it was yeah. absolute insanity. Right. And it's doing, isn't that what insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different expecting result. Expecting a different result. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. So what, so into, 
sorry, go go ahead, Aaron. The Canadian standoff. Oh, I was just going to mention. Um, <laughs> in 2019, I did a uh, teaching sessions seminars for Karen, who shares over TJ's gift, at uh, Booth College here in Winnipeg, and his students were from, I'd say, 15 to 18, so in and around that graduation, uh, high school years. I remember mentioning to him in so many words in, to summarize that walking that tightrope, there's always a potential to slip up and slip up bad in life. What does a conversation sound like with you, with people who are in recovery, uh, friends that might want to go down the same path as you, and what do you say to them? Um, at first, it was real bad. <laughs> I was really preachy, telling people they had to change. You got to stop this. You got to get out of that. You got to put, you know, it, not the way you go about it. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> you just, you, you be there for them. You support them. Um, I'm a living example of what I want my friends to be like. You know, I, I won't preach to them anymore. I won't tell them that they need to change and this and that. I live my life the way I live it. And my actions speak for themselves. And now I have people reaching out to me. And when they reach out to me, then I'll give back. You know, then I will talk to them. But I won't just give anybody the knowledge without them asking. Um, you know, it's yeah. like a biblical term for me, right? Like, don't cast pearls before swine. swine yeah. It's like I gave so much of what I had out and kind of just got my hand slapped away every time. It's like I'm reaching out to help and they don't want to hear it. So I no longer will give all that information, time and energy to somebody who doesn't want to hear it. But if they yeah. want to hear it, I'm there for you and I'll just support you. I, I have a friend right now who's about two weeks into recovery and, you know, I just sent him a Bible and kind of told him some things that, you know, I've done getting into recovery and we've lived the same kind of life. I've, I was in prison with him and I've partied with him many a times and yeah, like they see the, what you're doing with your life. Like people might play it like they don't notice what I'm doing, but they do, yeah. you know, they're watching, everybody's watching. And some of it might be to see me fail. Some of it's to see me win, but some of them might be seeing like, Hey, maybe I can actually do this. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a felon with a record and was a mad addict and did some horrible stuff. And I remember just talking to someone recently this week of like, I said to them, you know, with, with God, anything's possible. You know, there's nothing impossible when it comes to God. And I used to think these things were just like, Christian punchlines, just trying to like make you sound good or something. But I was like, if I would have told you three years ago that I'm going to be in a, a university student trying to be an addictions counselor, I'm engaged to be married. I'm raising two kids. I got my license when I had a lifetime ban on it. Like all these different things, you would have laughed at me. And they were like, yeah, you're right. And I'm like, but look, you know, like any, anything is possible. And I'm trying to like, just make my life the living example that if you're stuck in that scenario that you're in and you think you're so hopeless and can't get out, just look at me, just look at me. And these are the stories that I've read books about and heard other podcasts about, and you know, people's like just YouTube clips and stuff where they were in that position and they got themselves out. And this is exactly why I'm like on this podcast speaking openly about it is because I want even just one person out there to look, hear this, see it and be like, man, I can get out of this. You know, if it's yeah, a we, glimmer of hope for them and it makes them take a step in the right direction, it's all worth it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. We've said that before uh, on, on this, on this podcast, if there's, you know, 
one person that that hears one thing that clicks that that's all we care about laugh on a shitty day like it you know really really anything Um, so um Tyler, one thing, you know, and we talked about this in our interview with, uh, you know, with TJ's gift, um, a religion has become a big part of your life. Um, and I actually, on a side note, I noticed this last time, the hat that you're wearing, and I think last time you had a hoodie, is that, um, is that like a, a local brand or is that a, a, another brand that exists? Because I'm going to assume that stands for worship. Yeah, it's a brand out of Texas um, okay. called Art of Homage. Nice. And it, it's just a lot of clothing that, yeah, it says like just worship, cool it's like it's grace nice of God, bunch of different stuff. They got really cool gear. It's kind of like street religion gear, yeah. right? Like that's, that, a hat that, that's that I kind of wear. what they go for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for sure. That's just because it's flat brimmed and you're 17 years old. You fucking. <laughs> no, I think I'm still 17. That's I'm why you're like 30 in like three weeks. Um, so, yeah, so it's just sidebar. I just noticed that when we met last time, but. Um, you know, Elliot, you were kind of, I think, talking about this. Uh, we talked about this a little bit off camera, but, uh, and I know Tyler, we've talked about this before, but with your discovery of, um, you know, Christianity and, 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 and that, was it part of your recovery process? Was it something that was a part of your yeah. life beforehand? Like, where did religion come into your world? Um, there, was, there was none at all. Um, you know, I, I had no belief of anything. I guess you could say I was an atheist, like just a straight atheist. I didn't believe in anything at all. Um, people always think that, you know, it's what drove me to get sober, but it wasn't. Um, I was like very suicidal ideations coming uh, into my head uh, right at the end of my addiction. Um, every the end of every bender, I would just not be in a good head spot. You know, I, I checked myself into a hospital once and just like really tried to get some help with it. Cause I was scared. I was going to get on a bender and not be able to stop myself from doing something, you know? And I, on my last bender, I came home and all my family was there and I just quit. I, I was just like, I cannot live my life like this anymore. I can't do this. I'm like, I'm, I'm either going to kill myself directly or indirectly with the drugs, or it, it's just not going to end good. And then, you know, I lied there for about eight, eight hours, just lying in bed, looking at the ceiling, just thinking about everything I hate about myself. And I quit. I just cold turkey quit. And I started just going on a different track with life. Like I really isolated myself and just started working, working out, saving my money and just like being around nobody. I just isolated myself. And I was really paying attention to my family. And at about four or five months in being sober, one of my friends noticed like, Hey, I see what you're doing with your life. Um, you're really about your family and stuff. And like, have you ever thought of Christianity? Like, have you ever thought of going to church or, you know, anything like that? It's like, get out of here, man. Like that stuff's nonsense. Like I'm not about any of that. Like, no. And he was like, man, he, he actually got me to watch a movie and the movie was case for Christ. And the end of the movie, something came and was like, if all this is, is bogus, you know, it doesn't mean anything like whatever, but he's like, if this is true, you owe it to yourself to look into it. And I was like, okay, you know, so I started asking my buddy some questions and he ended up buying me a Bible and he dropped me off a couple books. And then he was like, why don't you just come to a service or two with me? You know, just see what it's all about, man. Give it a chance. And so I was like, okay, you know, this guy's had my back my whole life. He supports me getting sober. Um, 
I'll just do it. And so I went to a few services, still didn't believe it. I was like, this is nonsense. Like, I thought it was weird. I felt like just wrong being there, people throwing their hands up in the air. I was just like, this is not for me. And we were walking out one time and they gave me a bag with, with a bunch of different stuff in it and wanted me to come back. And I said, you know, I don't really believe any of this, eh? And these people were just so open and welcoming to me and was like, we're just happy to have you here. Like, don't worry. You don't have to believe what we believe. Just keep coming. And I ended up coming a few more times and just, I kept going to, going to services and I was reading the Bible and stuff. And I was just sitting there one day and was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give this a real chance. I'm like, I'm really going to give this a chance. And I sat there on the edge of my bed with a Bible in my hand. And I, I heard this from Jordan Peterson. You know, Jordan Peterson was like, if you really want to say a prayer, he's like, sit on the edge of your bed, think of all that you're doing wrong in your life and what you can do to stop it, right? And so I sat there with the Bible and I was just like, God, if you're real, give me a sign, let me know. I was like, I got lived my life in such a horrible way. Like my life has been absolute shambles. I haven't done anything right. Just give me a sign. And if, and if you're real, I'll, I'll follow your way. You know, I'll give up, I'll give up all this stuff and I'll follow your way. And I went to work the next day. And that <clears throat> next day, um, I was just thinking about when I got sober and I looked at the calendar and I was just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, that this, this can't be. And the day that I cold, just cold Turkey, stone cold, stopped doing everything was the Easter. You know, it was the day of resurrection. And it was like the exact sign that I had just asked for. And I was just like, there's no coincidence. Cause I remember being on the end of that bender and I was in a bar and, you know, had all my friends, just a bunch of girls, like just having a great old time. And this anxiety just came over me. And I was like, I need to get out of here. I can't do this anymore. I got to go home. And that's when I just, I never touched another thing. I have never touched anything since that day. And to me, that sign was that, you know, God was watching my back before I even knew of him, before I even cried out for help, before I asked him, before I said a prayer, he was already watching over me. And he already put that inside of me and was making sure that I was taken care of and that nothing happened to me because he knew I was at my bitter end that I wanted to, you know, commit suicide. And I got the exact sign that I was asking for in that prayer. And so I went full blown on it. You know, I started reading the Bible daily. I was going to services. I joined a life group through my church. And my life has just progressively gotten better ever since. Like everything I pray for, everything I ask for, I get it. It's absolutely life changing. And you know, it's not, I don't always get it the way I want to get it. But he lines me up exactly what I asked for. Like I asked him to take me out of that life. You know, I asked him to bless me with somebody to build with, you know, he gave me more. He gave me two stepkids too. Like I got a full family that I, that, that I have around me now. You know, I used to be a very angry and bitter individual. I would argue with everybody. I swore like a sailor. I was not a kind person to be around. And it's like, I'm not that person anymore. I'm way more patient. I'm kind to people. I help others. He's, he's put something in me that I never had before I asked for it. And, you know, there's a lot of people that can, can say what they want about God or where they're at, but there's no doubt in my mind. Like, he showed me. He's given me the evidence. He's put it into my life. 
Like I've seen him in works in my life. And yeah, it's, it's honestly, I can't even put it into words. Some of the things that have happened to me and the things that I've experienced since coming to it. So yeah, it's been a huge part of my recovery for sure. Um, that spiritual side is, is definitely something that, that you need. Um, you know, I had a few very enlightened spiritual moments that have made me just fully realize that I'm doing what I need to be doing. And I don't have those, like, I want to go back to what I was doing ever. I don't ever just like want to pick a drink up or do drugs or go do some stupid crime or, you know, I, that's gone. I don't, I don't want any of it. Like there was my life before God and there was my life with God. And I wouldn't trade my life with God for anything. Like my life is so good with God. It's so good. It's, I can't put it into words. If I talk about it anymore, I'm probably going to start crying because it's overwhelming the works he's done in my life. I'm a Christian and myself. You know that, and oh, Go ahead. No, Aaron, I was going to lead into you. Uh, I'm a Christian myself and it's my everything. It's my being. It has been since day one. Um, so to hear what you're saying is enlightening. That's all I wanted to add to that is enlightening and it's encouraging to others to look into it and give it a chance, like you said, if it's something that will help change your life for the better. Yeah. I know that for me, it's not anything that I go out of my way. I'll be, I'll be honest. And I know that that that's fine for, for everybody's opinion and whatever. Um, I, I have been, I went a bunch of times to Bible summer camps and stuff like that when I was a kid. Um, my grandmother is huge into being Catholic Christian, whatever denomination that she does um i feel like uh while it may not be important for me um it's important for other people i yeah. i'm not gonna i'm not gonna if if it helps you and it makes you even keel and you're cool with it who, who am i to judge um kind of like the conversation earlier in relation to your mom and and in that aspect and how you know who 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 cares if that's mm -hmm. who she loves right who gives a shit that's that's helping you be better cool man that's 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 good that you found something because i mean you'll find that if if that'll help you uh if if it was getting back into baseball and just doing nothing but playing baseball and that's what's helping you fucking cool you know it, it there's got to be something to to kind of help you along that overall process because it's always going to be in your mind it's always going to be something that's there it's, so that's, it's empowerment like it, it yeah. it's i believe i believe in empowerment and and if if you are empowered both of you are empowered um you know by by your your religion and your christianity i may i don't believe the same thing it's it's just it's it's for me it's just simple i i, I just i don't i don't follow it i have tried um i remember in grade six at school i don't remember why because it was not a religious school but we were all given um little pocket bibles um i tried reading some of it i was very young at the time so you know i didn't go back to it um you know my mom used to to bring us we, we there was a period of time where we were we would go to church um i wouldn't say regularly but we did go um I also didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. 
and the side of it that I enjoyed was the community aspect. You would go into church and it was a, a church in Fort Richmond where, um, you know, our neighbors would go and, and, and people, you know, from the community would go. And I went to Sunday school and I got to see friends. And then I went to youth group in the evening time where to this day, I have friends that I met there. So, you know, that aspect of it is, is, is great. And I believe that, um, I believe that everybody else has the right to, to believe in what they believe in. I'm never, ever going to tell someone, you know, you're an idiot. That's stupid. No, because, you know, it, it's not my place. If, if, you know, maybe you've discovered something that I haven't, maybe, um, you know, there, there's so many angles to bring to it. Um, I've always had an issue with the sort of judgmental side of it. Um, and clearly there's zero of that from either of you two gentlemen, but there is, there is a world where that exists, just, just as though there are people on, on my side of the spectrum that are the ex exact same way. Um, and there's, the conf there's a lot of the confusion, and we can go so deep into this rabbit hole, um, you know, is having sort of two opposing forces on it. But, you know, I, I, I believe, Tyler, that the happiness that you found um, you know, in your life and, and, and the thanks that you give to God for that and, and all that, um, you know, I have the same happiness. I don't feel I'm not, I'm not missing anything. I, I have like, I'm literally, I was joking around before, before we started recording, I am sitting in a beautiful cabin in Kenora that my grandfather built, you know, he passed away, but, um, he built this for our family and we're sitting here. Um, my, my beautiful wife is sitting across the table from me right now doing some work. I've got a dog, you know, chewing on her bone at my feet, cats running across. My life is, is incredible and I would not change a damn thing. Um, so that's why I keep going back to the empowerment side of it, because I feel like I am empowered by, um, myself and what's around me and, and the, the things and the people that I have in my life. Um, I believe that I created that. I believe that I, I, I am a good person. And I believe that I created this relationship with my wife and, um, I made decisions that I, you know, myself that I own a home back in Winnipeg and that I'm very good at my job. I feel, I, I feel that within myself. Um, and I know you guys, you know, for sure will have, you know, just as much to come back at me with it, but I just, I don't see that side of it. Um, I like to give the credit to myself, really. Um, and it, it's taken me, it, it's taken time for me to, to appreciate those things. Um, I've always appreciated them, but I, it, you know, even sitting here, like I, it's hard to not get emotional. I've been in a bad space mentally. Um, you know, we kind of talked about that. Um, I'm really, really happy. And, and I, you know, and that doesn't take away from you guys, but I believe that I did that on my own and I did that with mm -hmm. my, my wife and I did that because of my parents instilled good values in me and that I've had, you know, good mentors at jobs down along the way and, and stuff like that. So I got off on a tangent here, but what do you guys have to say about, um, you know, and I will speak for my side of it, the people that shit on people basically for for being religious i think that's a joke i don't think you have the right to tell someone that what do you guys have to say about the side of christianity that is not welcoming and and that judges people for making the decisions that they make in their life tyler your mom there are people in your community that would not agree with the life that your mom lives 
you know, what, what do you, how do you guys feel about that? Well, I mean, I can, I can give you great arguments on a lot of that. Um, first 100%. of all, Jesus didn't like religion either. You know, he came down here to, to tell all the religious people like, yo, well, you guys are doing all this wrong and gave us tools to live by. Love your God yeah. and love your neighbor. Your neighbor. You know, you're not supposed to judge people. No. Uh, you know, who am I supposed to, who am I to look at someone and tell them how they're living their life or what they're doing is a sin? I don't like those Christians either. Yeah. I don't even like being labeled as religious or as a Christian. I'm a follower of Christ. You know, and Christ was the least judgmental person ever. He hung out with with prostitutes and tax collectors and drunkards. And the beggars. He, yeah. he, he hung out with the worst of the worst. You know, um, I don't like those judgmental Christians either. You know, I've kind of driven myself away from a lot of church stuff because of that judgment. You know, um, my daughter was going to volunteer at the church I was going to and had to sign a contract that, you know, if you're anything to do with homosexuality or whatever, that it's like an, an X on it, right? And it's like, why? Like, you know, Jesus wanted everybody. He wanted, he, he wants a community for everybody to come to. And who are we to say what somebody else is doing? And, you know, even, even if you believed that, that homosexuality is a sin, well, everything's a sin. Pride's yeah. a sin. Anger's yeah. a sin. Lust is a sin. And there isn't this list of what's more sinful than others. And we all sin. You know, we all fall short in the glory of God. So who am I to look at anyone and judge them for anything? You know, I'm supposed to love my neighbor and I'm supposed to love my God. And I know that's a confusing part to a lot of people. That's you know, the when, most confusing part to me. Yeah. You have the, I built this, I did this. And it's confusing to people when I'm like, I give all the glory to God. Yeah. Like, I believe that I have had something to do in the process of like the mentors in my life and making these, these decisions to make me go places. But I also believe that all these people have been strategically placed in my life. And, and there's been paths that have been carved out where I've had to go down that road. You know, I, I believe sometimes something happens to me at the exact perfect time where I was about to just go off the deep end or get angry, or I'm not in a good mood and some random kind thing will just happen to me. And I'm like, that wasn't an accident, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'm on the exact same level with you. Like, I don't believe everybody has to believe what I do. And that's what you I know, wanted to hear. And I, I whatever I you that. believe in yeah. is going to you. I mean, I have a belief in what Jesus words say in that Bible, but I'm not going out there, ca you know, you know, casting stones at people yeah. for for stuff they did. Like I'm not supposed to do that. As a follower of Christ, I'm supposed to love everybody around me, and you know, I'm living out the truth that I believe is in that in the words that He gave, right? Well I don't said. I don't know what uh, Aaron feels about all that. No, I well said. Well said. It's uh, I don't want to repeat what you just said. It's it's it you 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 addressed everything I was going to address with it. One hundred percent. I mean, Aaron and, and, and Blake. Sorry. No. Ahead, you... I was going to say Blake and Elliot have known me for almost ten years, and uh, they know I love people. They know I treat my neighbor like I treat myself. Yes, I'm going to make mistakes. Yes, I get upset. Everyone does. But when you start casting stones, so to speak, as you mentioned, and judging others on their sins and so on and so forth, that is not my place. Um, I have a purpose. I believe in my purpose. And I believe people also put in my life to help me get to that purpose. Um, but I also respect others' views, albeit if they're Hindu, Buddhist, yep. uh, atheist, what have you. But I am 
diff I, I say it like this can sound funny, but I'm a different Christian. I, I, I see that I actually live what I read as mm -hmm. much as I can. Um, and I, I told a good friend of mine uh, the other day, I told her, this, this is my words. This is the best book I've written or written, wrote, uh, reading, I'm trying to say. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I won't read any other books. This is my book. Uh, just like I wouldn't like someone to judge me what I just was trying to say uh, in regards to this is the best book I've read. This is the only book I'm going to read. This is the only book that matters to me. That doesn't mean that Elliot or yourself, Tyler or Blake, has to because I said so again now that's pushing something on someone that's not my that's not what how I live my life that's not what I was taught when I've taught myself mm -hmm. um but that is that that is everything to me but I also respect others views on why they might disagree with what a lot of is in there but then I tell people well take a look at me and if you've known me for how long or whether it be five minutes or 50 years I carry out what I read all. in that book as much as I can and I will make mistakes just like people and characters in the Bible. I was named after Aaron, the communicator in the Bible. My parents couldn't figure out a name for me. And my Auntie Winnie said he, he, he talks a lot. He likes to interact. And she's right. Uh, and I do. And this is a testament of it with this podcast, with anything I do that's entertainment, however you want to word it, fine arts. Um, and same with my sister is they see that in me. I was named after Aaron in the Bible. And, and I live up to that. I want to be a communicator. Aaron made mistakes in the Bible. And go on to do a lot of detail about that but he learned from those mistakes i'm going to make mistakes at 42 that maybe i've never made before but i'm going to learn from it it's going to have a different approach than i was 22 and and felt the world was caving in on me in my darkest hours but that book helped me through it 100 percent. but mm -hmm. that's me but I that's think... me and, and sorry aaron didn't mean to cut you off that's okay no <laughs> I, I, all i was gonna say is i think this is the healthiest way to have this conversation and i you know yeah. we'll, we'll play spoiler i i paused our recording so that i could preface this to tyler you and i have met a couple times i know you're a great guy um you know we've texted you know whatever we get along great i wanted to make sure that i wasn't crossing any lines but I love that this is the conversation that we're having. And I love that we can be so open about this. And I think that this is how everybody as a person, doesn't matter who you believe in, this is how we grow. And, you know, Aaron, you and I and, and Erica, my wife, we've, we've had these conversations before, and I think they're healthy conversations. And, and we've told you how mm -hmm. we felt, and you've told, told us how, how you feel. And, you know, it's, yeah. it's never ended in an argument. It's never ended in even really a debate. It's more, you know, just discussing and you know mm -hmm. tyler aaron i don't believe what you guys believe but i don't care because i love the fact that you know you guys um are empowered by it and 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 that it brings so much to your life and that it is so important to you um you know that's that's all you can ever ask for and you know there there's there's arguments can be made for everything the one question, and this is maybe going to sound really amateur, I don't know, but the one question that I've always, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're recording on fucking Zoom. I've got a gaming headset on right now, so <laughs> it, it fits the brand maybe, but how, how, how do you guys describe, um, not describe, what are your arguments for the 9-11s and the Holocausts and the Hitlers and the you know ted bundy's and and, and that's the devil the in world. them okay the devil's in them that's that's it that's 
I, I research those type of individuals to know what to look out for, but the book tells me that anyway. So when I see them, the Ted Bundys, the so-ons, the David Koresh's, the so-on and so forth, the, the 9-11 people that you know, orchestrated that, yeah, I see the devil in people. But I feel from, I've talked to friends who follow other religions, they see it in the same way through their book, through their eyes. So there's that commonality that there is evil in people that make them do evil things. And, and I believe the same the thing. Devil. Yeah. Yeah. Not in a religious standpoint, but there, there is something sure. really fucking deeply wrong. So Tyler, are you of the same belief? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, there's an evil out there, you know, yeah. and it's, I believe it's in everybody. I believe that evil's in everybody. Um, you know, the enemy's always out there trying to get you. And, you know, some people, it's got a, a bigger lock on, on them than others. Um, I look at, you know, a lot of the real, real big things that happened, you know, like, yeah, like the Holocaust, um, you know, what happened in communist Russia and, yep. and all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't the Jesus. Stalins and the, yeah. It wasn't Jesus. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, it was lack of religion and lack of belief that a lot of that stuff happened. Right. So, um, I don't know. Is, um, I do believe that there's just, yeah, but there's, there's a like, flaw like in said, that there's an evil. Yeah. So Elliot, what were you going to say? Well, no, I just think it was, it's kind of crazy where in like the nine 11 aspect, they were doing what they were doing for their God. Well, right. So that's, and, and they're obviously it's a misinterpretation and, and, of their God. Yeah. And that's, and it's just, it's just bananas to, to, to think that that doing something like that is good in any way. Yeah. And killing in the name of a God, you know, and, and the, the, I think like, you know, we just said that, you know, there's evil in everybody, you know, there is, but, and, you know, you say there's, there's lack of, uh, you know, these things happen like the Stalins and the, and the Hitlers and stuff like that because of lack of religion but is that the case because you know i don't have religion in my household and i don't want to go commit genocide on a population that's a stupid extreme example but that's that's where i find the holes um not not believing yourself because i I see what you're saying it's just that that's where this gets complicated in my opinion Mm -hmm. um that that's how i see it I, i believe that you know if if god exists um these evils that are in the world like so are we saying that the evil in someone so if i walk down the street and i pull out a gun and i rob somebody and i kill them is that the theory in that that the evil overpowered god or jesus i don't understand that side of it but is that the is that the argument Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know person by person basis. Sure. Um, you know, when I was talking about like the Holocaust and, you know, you know, Stalin and all that kind of stuff, it's in, in those scenarios, it's like the first people that those people went after were the religious people, right? Like anybody that had a belief of something where there was like this uh, a moral high ground or something, right? Or there was morals behind it. Those were the people that they went after first and took them out first. Um I'm not saying that like, yeah, because you don't believe in God, you're an evil person and you're going to pull a Stalin. Like, no, that's not what I'm saying sure. at all. And like I said, but that's I'm not a good if example. You do have a, if you do have a no, lack like... of belief in anything where there's just nothing, okay, like you have no morals, whatever, then yeah, you're, you're more likely to go down a road okay. where there's some evil stuff going to happen, 
right? So point and being, I mean, I, I, I have a is, good head on my there's shoulders. There's a free will thing there, right? Yeah. There's okay. a free will. Like you have the ability to do whatever you want to do. Yeah. You know, um, I think I have a whole different outlook on a lot of what you hear about like hell and stuff, right? Like I believe hell, you can be in that right now. Like hell is being as far away from God as possible. The closer you are to in relationship with God is like the closer you are going to be to heaven. The close, the farther away that you are from him, that's going to be your hell, right? That's what I believe. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I've never died. So I don't know exactly what's going to go, where I'm going, who's going where. I don't know. But from what I believe right now is like I was living in hell and I'm not anymore. And it's because I'm closer to God and sure. because I've gotten that relationship with God, right? There's rationale behind right. it. You know, like it's it's not all insane. <laughs> you know, and I, when I say that, I don't mean you guys aren't. You, I mean, there are people that challenge religion and basically just say, oh, it's a bunch of bullshit. No, it's not. There is genuine rationale behind some of it. You know, and I, I follow I follow the logic behind a lot of it. Um, you know, obviously there there's one side, you know, two sides to the coin and whatever. And, and again, I, I said this before, we can get so deep into this and I, and, and this oh, isn't, yeah. <laughs> you know, just what, this isn't necessarily all we're here to talk about. Um, you know, Tyler, I know, I know that, uh, you know, we brought you on to, to tell your story. I just, it, and you'd agree. I think this is part of your story. Um, mm-hmm. I know I want to be conscious of time and I know that, um, one thing that's important to me is to hear about how fucking awesome things are for you right now. Like you, you have made, um, like we're talking about a journey here, right? We've talked about your start. We've talked about the middle. We've talked about the, the, you know, your religion, you know, where are things at now? What do you do? Um, you've alluded to the fact that you are engaged. I gave you, you know, we kind of chatted about it on the interview about how, stressful it is planning a wedding and even more so (laughs) you know during a pandemic and and stuff like that but like like brag brag for a few minutes man like talk about how things are awesome talk about Um, yourself yeah things things are absolutely amazing um you know i'm engaged to be married getting married in june um got some stepkids that give me a whole lot of responsibility and a different outlook on life um I'm, I'm a university student I'm taking applied counseling right now through the addiction stream, hoping to, you know, maybe get, be a, an addictions counselor at a rehab center is the ultimate goal. Um, on the weekends, I'm doing, you know, some action therapy stuff with, with some troubled youth. Um, I got a good opportunity opened up from a friend of mine and yeah, like I'm just doing what I need to do, you know, hitting some AA meetings, going to therapy. Um, just, just trying to stay right mentally. Um, I've got to a real good point in my life and I don't want to forget all the things that got me to this point. So I'm trying to be really aware to keep up with those things and and stick with them. Even though I'm, I'm not that same person struggling. I don't want to get back to that person ever. So I got to stay diligent in, in keeping up with all those things. Taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself. Some accountability, right. And in, in having those responsibilities now will, will, mean more it's it's good it's it's cool to hear you know with 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 the girls and 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 everything along those lines that it's they mean more than whatever you were doing before and that's awesome and it's great to uh to hear that that that's turned around as much and 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 i and i firmly believe and agree with what you had kind of said before that you're you'll always be in recovery it's Mm -hmm. not going to be something that I mean, it'll take all it all it would take one slip and and it's game over kind of thing. And and 
so having that kind of new and better support structure around you as well is going to be super helpful in the, the job and, and being in there and, and, and so on. I, I, I'm kind of curious about the, the friends that you always kind of, how you mentioned kind of going back to and mm -hmm. those people that are partying and doing all that. What was it like in a way divorcing those friends and just I, I'm assuming a lot of them if not all of them are, are mainly out of your life now um yeah I I love them from a distance um yeah I love those people to death they they've been there with me for like the last 20 years we've been through such ups and downs you know I, I've been locked up with these people I've been at the lowest of the low with these people you know they've been through me from the top to the bottom like everything but I know that being around them is my downfall. Um, and it's not their fault. It's not their fault at all. It's mine. And it's like me engaging in any activity that's going on around me, but I cannot be around those people. I can't, I know that. Um, it, it's hard to love them at a distance too. It's one of the hardest things I ever had to do. Um, especially like very first, like weeks to months in my recovery, I felt like I lost everything. Like I was at a lonely place. I remember crying out to God being like, yo, I need something here, man. You got to throw me a bone. Like I'm lonely as hell. I'm doing everything you want me to do. Like, I like, I need somebody like it, it was within weeks of that prayer that I, I met the girl I'm engaged to now. Um, you know, my main focus is on my family. I'm yeah. with them daily. Uh, they mean more to me than anything. Um, that's where all my energy goes. Um, I'm, I'm finding a lot of connections, positive through the schooling I'm doing, the, the volunteer work. Um, I'm making new connections. And, you know, you don't have that same friendship level with those people as you do with the people you were with for 20 years, but they're on a better spot in their life and going forward. Like, you know, I want to be around people that want to see me progress, not hold me down, yeah. you know? And awesome. what, yeah. what, what's the one saying I say it all the time with the, you, you are, you're the average of the five people you hang out with, right? So if you hang out with five people that don't work and they drink and they party and they sell drugs, you're going to be the average of that. You know, you're not going to be that successful. You're not going to be at a good place in your life. If you hang out with five of those people. So why not hang around five people that are university students? They work at these rehab centers. They're doing the volunteer work. Um, so I'm being a lot more aware of who I surround myself with these days, for sure. Thanks. That's awesome. I, I, again, I, I talked about this on the, on the interview. I had to keep referring to this. People see it eventually, I guess. I don't know. It's not on this channel, but um, I, my favorite thing is seeing people kick ass and I love hearing people talk about it. You know, I agree. There's absolutely nothing wrong with bragging about yourself. I kicked the shit out of that addiction. I'm still kicking the shit out of it. I've got, you know, speaking to yourself, you've got an amazing family, you're kicking ass in school, you're working, like, they're just, like, I love hearing people talk about that, brag about that, there's nothing wrong with, you know, talking about how proud of yourself you are, mm -hmm. and I, that's just, that's my favorite thing, you know, and if some people won't say it, I'll say it for them, you know, Tyler, I don't think you have a problem saying it. it sounds like, you know, your work, you work to a point in your life where you are proud of yourself and, and, and that's wicked. I don't, 
you know, like going on a Ric Flair rant right now. Yeah, well, I don't, these are the wrestlers. These, these are the wrestlers. <laughs> I don't understand the reference, but I appreciate it. He knew. He no, knew. But yeah, no, they both no. know. Elliot knew. We're, we're absolutely <laughs> going to get you to Blake on that. Now you just. <laughs> no, I mean, I, like I said, I can I can rant. I just I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. I mean, you you've come full circle. Like you're you're, you know, you're sit. I mean we're like i said we're a bunch of degenerates but i think in a good way so um you know like i said i want to be conscious of time tyler i don't want to take up your whole night i think uh, you know we've 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 had an unreal talk here um you know we want to start working towards wrapping things up aaron and elliot do you guys have anything you want to add thank you for being on this very time tyler i agree, I agree. Yeah. yeah this is it's been great I, I i agree with uh kind of what blake was saying is uh i when the discussion was had and in, in, in having you on, um, it's it's that comeback story that everybody loves in movies and and, and books mm-hmm. and whatever else. And and I, I'm I'm super super intrigued by and and I kind of mentioned this to them before is is the the overall trajectory of how you know you started here like you said playing baseball at a high level and doing all that kind of stuff and then shit went bad and then how hearing about how you picked yourself kind of back up and, and and who helped you and how that worked and, and everything. So I, I thank you very, very much for, for being so open with us and, yeah. and talking with us for the last hour and a half almost at this point. So we're yeah. uh, longer. That's cool. Um, we didn't want to put a time uh, time frame on this one for sure. So it's, uh, it's great. We, well, thanks uh, for having me. I really appreciate it. You'll be back. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we, we uh, will have recurring guests and I believe in checking in on people, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, my buddy Cameron, I think you listened to the to the f- episode four there. He's traveling through Mexico, I believe. Last I checked with him, he's going to go through Cuba and he's going to go through Dominican. We're going to check in on him. You know, we'll check in on on yourself. Like we'll we'll chat again for sure. It's uh, yes. It's been great having you. So um, I just have one request. If I do come on next time, if uh, Elliot could not wear a Habs hat, that'd be great. 100%. <laughs> oh, oh, see, you know what? You say that, and now I'm fucking wearing it every <laughs> I'm going to get my jersey. Yeah. Everything. Everything. You just, yeah. you just made the big mistake in your life. <laughs> I love well, it. gentlemen, I love it. Yeah. We'll, uh, awesome. we'll wrap up here. Our yeah. weekly shout out to Aaron, still single and looking. Yeah. <laughs> Big old smile. Sure as shit am. Single and ready to mingle, eh? <laughs> Love it. Um, awesome. All right, Elliot. Get us Thanks, out of here. Thanks, boys. Uh, appreciate right, everybody today. Thank you, Tyler. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Aaron. And this is another edition episode, however you want to term it, of Geezers and the Kid. We'll see you next time. Good night.